There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Not Another Mummy Podcast with me, Alison Perry. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Not Another Mummy Podcast. Something that I've wanted to discuss on the podcast for a while is parenting an older child. And today's guest, Sarah Gregory, has a 20-year-old son, as well as three younger daughters, aged 11, 8 and 6. Sarah talks about what it was like to have her son at age 18 and how she thought she would just be a mum of one until she met her husband and ended up having three more. She explains how different the experience was having her daughters in her late 20s and early 30s. She also talks about having an age gap, a large age gap between her son and her eldest daughter. Age gaps between children is something that I've given a lot of thought to since I became a mum. I've got eight years between my eldest and my baby twin daughters. And as the years ticked along between them, I grew a bit anxious that having a large age gap would somehow have a negative impact on my family. But as Sarah explains, that's not always the case. As well as being a mum of four, Sarah co-edits The About Times, an online publication which features the writing of women. It promises to challenge everyone to step out of our echo chambers and explore the world through a different lens. So let's hear from Sarah. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me here. It's such a pleasure to have you. Um, Now, Sarah, tell me about your family. Uh, You've got four children, haven't you? Yes. Let me see if I've got this right. Uh, Tom, who's 20. Yes. Emily, who's 11. Yes. Edith, who's 8. Yes. And Agnes, who's 6. Yes. Yeah, that's perfect. Tell me about them. Um, What what is it like being a mum of four? Oh, wow. It's hectic, but fun. And yeah, I don't know. Just, uh, I don't know any other life. (laughs) Um, I, I really enjoy it. And no day is probably like any other day. Is it? So try and describe an, an average day for you guys. Like what's, or is it lots of people coming and going? Is it a noisy household? Is it vibrant? Is it fun? What's what, what's it like in your house? Yeah, it's very noisy. Everybody that comes in is just like, how do you live like this? <laughs> <laughs> the only peace time is when the children are at school and then I don't have any background noise. It's uh, all very calm. Like I don't have the radio on or the TV or anything like that. It just has to be calm. And that's when I get my most, that's when I get most work done. But do, yeah. Do, do you just like savour the silence in those moments? Yeah, totally. Oh, I, I meditate every day. I, have, yeah. I take my 20 minutes to do that. 
every day I have to um but yeah I do I really I sit down and eat lunch and I just think oh wow there's no one here and that's quite nice yeah you I do I definitely appreciate silence do you also enjoy the noisier moments too though yeah because they're they are just part and parcel of my life like um I don't regret them all but I just value I value them as much as I value the silence yeah lovely um okay so You've got quite a big age gap between Tom and Amelie, haven't you? Yes. Um, what led to that age gap happening? When I gave birth to him, I thought he might be the only one that I had. <laughs> so, were you 19 when you had him? 18. 18? Yes. Um, just And then I turned 19 after he was born, yes. Um, so yeah, I was 18 and it was quite painful. It was life-changing and yeah, I just thought, probably would I didn't even know like I'd never planned to have him and I remember a few days before having I found out I was pregnant having a conversation with my English teacher at the time and her talking about you know I'm trying for a baby and stuff and I said oh I'll probably think about it when I was in my 30s and then had to go back a week later and say oh I'm actually pregnant mm. <laughs> and um so yeah I, I never really pictured myself as being a mum I was very academic and you know I had all of these plans they were quite rigid and then I found out I was pregnant it was a fantastic thing though and it it kind of changed my life for the better because I probably never would have gone traveling or you know did all of the other things that I actually did but I did think he would be the only one and um I met my husband when my son was oh how old was he was he four and we all went traveling together and then yeah a few years later we thought oh give this a try like see (laughs) and uh yeah it happened kind of relatively quickly and we had our daughter I don't think we planned to have three kind of you know I thought we'd just have like one possibly two but Mm. yeah um what was it like traveling with a four-year-old it was amazing and I would advise anyone to do it because you have like there's no distraction there's just kind of like the three of you the most stressful decision you have to make is what you're going to eat for dinner and you're not cooking it normally yeah (laughs) so you know just I mean we we went around Southeast Asia and it's beautiful I don't know if you've ever been but it's it's so scenic um culturally it's just amazing there's so much stuff to learn um and yeah just just moving around was really easy and my son he just absolutely loved it does he remember it yeah I guess four you you, you know quite common to have memories from when you were four yeah it's really odd the things that you think he would remember he he doesn't like we went to Cambodia and did see him reap you know all of the um temples and everything yeah he doesn't really remember that <laughs> but he does remember that everybody wore flip-flops <laughs> that's so funny because I remember he used to know that everybody's feet were really wide and you know it was yeah so he remembers ra- random stuff like the name in Thai for water yeah. you know and just how he used to create these different because we never really we traveled light so we never really had any toys right so he used to make toys out of um, gosh this sounds really bad doesn't it <laughs> I think you should write a book about this Sarah I, I want to read about this oh no he he made to- like we used to make toys out of like water bottles and different things like that and he used to create kind of like these I remember it's like crab land you know these different kind of worlds and just playing get lost in and 
Yeah. I love it. It's a bit like um, a sort of family version of, is it Eat, Pray, Love? The, um, yeah, I never where she goes on, oh, She goes on, on like a journey through various parts of the world and like to discover herself. But it sounds she's like... amazing. Yeah, yeah I she want is. To, I, I want to read that book. Actually, I might read that book this holiday. I keep promising myself I'll read that book. It's quite like a nice her. holiday read, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it sounds like a sort of family version of that where you guys were off kind of like discovering yourself as a family. And yeah. And people are so much more welcoming as well to families because you can be like, oh, not another backpacker you know uh, we didn't have that kind of people were welcomed us into their home wow. and like um and thomas was always really sociable as well so he would go and like drag us along make new friends and yeah we'd have all these kind of different experiences i think as if um in comparison to if we were on our own so you were yeah. a mum of one for 10 mm, nine, years. nine years yeah and do you think that almost became part of your identity i think it's when you are like uh, you know a mum of one child it feels like that's part of who you are I think yeah because I think that was like my whole adult life up until that point so yeah I didn't really yeah I think I was always identified as well no actually I say that but when I met my husband he didn't know that I had a son and I had no intention of telling him either because um I didn't necessarily think we'd be together that long because I was going traveling like in my head I'm very much I'm going traveling and I'm taking my son so we can just date but I'm going traveling and that's it and uh so yeah he didn't know initially that I had a son and then um I I think one of his friends well actually no that's a lie I thought he didn't know but he he did one of his friends had actually said oh that she's got a son but he never told me that he knew it was probably about we'd been seeing each other for about two months that's quite nice though in a way because he's like respecting your boundaries and your yeah desire to share with him what you wanted to yeah and And just so there was a part of me like and I was at university at that time as well so I was a student and I did work as well so and I was a mum so I suppose in that way it was quite compartmentalized it Mm. wasn't so I'd say it's more fluid now like you know everything rolls into one yeah whereas before i was i was definitely more there was boundaries between each thing so when you were with him you were probably more focused on yeah totally you, know, you were you know dating and rather than you weren't you weren't mum sarah you were dating sarah or you know that kind of thing yeah that makes a lot of sense actually um but and before that had, had you felt like being a single mum was part of your identity did, how, how did you find people you know um treated you I guess being a young single mum yeah did you feel any young. stigma I felt definitely being the young mum because I looked young as well so people thought I was even younger than I was um so definitely and I used to get judgments and then everybody would always be shocked you know like that I've I'm at university or that I'm working as did well did that annoy you that people were shocked um yeah, but so many people that you just can't let it grate, otherwise you won't do anything. I just I just felt that's how they remedy what decisions they've made in their life, you know, maybe things that they didn't do, mm. and that's how they come to cope with it. But I'm not limited by that. So for me, it was just like, right, I'm on this path and I'm doing this, and you can think what you like. But... And what was your experience? How different was your experience when you had your eldest daughter did that feel like a really different yeah it felt like being a mum all over again did it yeah because I was obviously nearly 10 years older and um I'd forgotten everything I was just it was completely new and then I had this kind of dynamic as well where you don't have this 
baby moon that I see a lot of people have because I had to do a school run. <laughs> You know, yeah, I think my husband at that time, I think he had less than two weeks off, so he had to go back to work. Um, and so, yeah, I was up doing this school run and, you know, I um, and she never slept for about a year. Mm. Um, she'd do these like kind of like 45 minutes, um, like little quick naps and then she'd be awake. That's like that classic sleep cycle thing, though, isn't it, that babies oh do? Gosh. They'll sleep for 45 minutes and they're like, ding! I'm yeah. awake now. Got so much energy. <laughs> and you're just like, you're crazy. So it was like, it was torture. I remember um, there was a book out at the time and it was called How to Love Your Child in the First Year or something like that. And my friend, her son was born two weeks after my daughter and she'd got him to sleep. He was like sleeping in this amazing routine. I was like, I just need to read that book and it will all work out. And um, I remember the piece of advice was, just start your day when they do. It doesn't matter what time it is, just start your day. I remember my husband getting up at three o'clock in the morning one time and I bathed and dressed, both of us. And we were sat there and I was like, we're just starting our day now. Oh my goodness. We'll get, we'll get the clock turned around. And he was just like, oh, what are you doing? And I just think it was just like in the like in the midst of like torture and like that lack of rationality you just you, you grasp on to anything like that don't you like yeah. oh this expert says it so it must be true and we're gonna do it even if it's the most painful thing I ever and i just want that sleep but i think we've all been there uh, <laughs> yes many times <laughs> but yeah after a year it kind of mellowed out and she was fine and she slept well ever since so and have you found having a large age gap because this is something that i get asked a lot i've got mm. an eight-year-old and now i've got two five-month-old twins mm. And I get asked a lot about the age gap and it was something that kind of, pan- not panics me, but as she was getting older, I was aware that any potential age gap was widening and widening and oh. I worried about the effect that it might have on our family unit. Oh. Was that something that you ever worried about or, you know, when when your daughter was here, did you... Oh, it was funny because my son, from when he could talk, was always asking for siblings and I just never thought it would happen you know I was thought, oh not really gonna do that what but did then, you say to him were you just sort of like oh maybe one day no never said that because no. I never had any intention of okay. doing it so I didn't want to like lead him off a false path were you like bigging up the whole thing like, you, you know you, you have to share your toys with people you know oh. you don't want brothers and sisters oh no because what if it did happen I didn't want to say I didn't want to say either way I just tricky, think we kind of, it? it's really tricky because I didn't want him to hate any kind of sibling if he did have one yeah. you know like you just never know what's down the path so I always said, you know, not now because our life is like this and we're doing this. Um, but I remember when we got married and my son was like, well, you're kind of married now. So are you going to have children like that? And um, and then obviously we were, um, I fell pregnant with Emily on our honeymoon. Oh, did you? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So when we told him, he was ecstatic. So there's like, so there is nine years between them, but they're still really close now. Mm. I mean, as it's gone on, so like he... You know, he's like 20 and the youngest one is six. You know, they don't have the same relationship, but they do have a relationship. He still plays with them. He'll take them to the park. You know, there's a lot of like crossover in their kind of interest because they're all kind of like very much linked into fantasy and they love stories and reading, you know, all of these kind of things. They find different points of crossover where they can all get along yeah so, yeah that's so nice does he still live with you guys yes so yes. you're all like a proper family unit yeah how do you juggle how do you manage being a parent to such a wide range of, of ages it's just different like and it can be quite exhausting because i find that like once every you know there's few people have said oh once they're in bed then i can relax 
when they're in bed sometimes that's when my son needs his emotional labor he'll be sat there waiting for his time (laughs) and he needs that so you've just got to find that energy and it's not all the time it's not every day and and as these things like you you just have to balance it because some sometimes children need you more on this day but not the next and so it's just about managing your time emotional capacity and seeing who needs it more because sometimes I suppose you need to if it's not so tragic at one end but it is at the other that's Mm. where you divert your and do 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 you think you get quite good at you judging who needs your time rather than always relying on them because sometimes kids themselves you realize before they do that they need a bit of your time yeah and and they're not always vocal so i'd say my middle daughter's not always she doesn't she's not one to offer up and if you ask if she's okay she will go as far as to say i'm okay and i've got a reason that's not true about why she's behaving the way that she is wow so is that because she just doesn't feel comfortable chatting about about it or I don't know I suppose it might just be a part of her personality and it's when she's ready to talk to you then she'll talk to you and there's no point in forcing her um yeah and I just think that's and that's it's it's about being respectful of that as well because it's up to her when she wants to speak as well and share and she generally does like we do a thing at night where we do circle time before bed so we talk about the one thing that's been um really bad in our day the one thing that's been really good and the one thing that we're looking forward to tomorrow and it just gives you that chance to offload mm. they normally have several things <laughs> for each category and it goes on see if that was my daughter she'd be like yeah 20 things because yeah. she's trying to like put off bedtime yeah and another thing that happened to me today <laughs> oh my gosh yeah i know i know that but it but it is quite good and it's one of the things that we do use it it encourages them you know to to share and especially if you've missed something as well like a cue because mm. i'm not perfect oh, none of <laughs> you, us are. yeah you miss things and you, you've got four kids who are sending you cues and yeah. it's, it's, it's tricky. i think i think you learn and grow with them though as well so each stage like everything oh does it get easier does it get easier i just think each stage prepares you for the next one so it's not that oh your your son is now 11 oh he just takes care of himself mm. no actually at that age he probably needed me more than he did when he was six yeah, you know yeah. and it was more it was more intense and it was more emotional and you know it was it was deep so yeah have you noticed a difference um raising a child back when there wasn't as you know the technology was very different you know yeah. there were no kind of camera phones there was no you know, you, you didn't have the, the internet in you know in your pockets yeah how, how how have those two things compared do you think well it's interesting because i've seen it in different stages so with thomas there was absolutely nothing um, i think i had an email address um with amelie that was when Mumsnet came about. So Mumsnet was really kicking off then. And I thought that was fantastic because you could you could talk to a midwife, you know, mm. like if you had a, a sort of issue, you could be online and there'd be an answer for you within minutes. Um, and then I think as well, yeah, the forums had kind of kicked in then. So um, we used to do meetups and different things like that. And yeah, for different interests. And actually that was quite nice to socialise and meet people who were, you know, had the same interests yeah. as you. So that was quite nice to build a community. Um, and so that was lovely. And then, yeah, I, I suppose with the last two, it was really deep in with social media. I think Facebook 
you know, definitely was hot with with, with Edith, but with Agnes, then Instagram. Like, yeah. I wasn't really aware of Instagram with Edith, but she was 2010, was I think Instagram was more like 2012. Yeah, yeah. And, and I didn't really, I think after... Um, uh, I had Edith. That's probably when I I got my first iPhone. <laughs> Before that, I never really had an interface phone. I was more of a BlackBerry and just yes. used to write. That's so funny. I think people were definitely either a BlackBerry person or yeah. an iPhone person back in the day. Yeah, you were like really defined by that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I didn't really... Um, so, yeah, I, I, I noticed it a lot more. I was like, oh, what is this world? Um, it's, it's different. I, I think... There's so much information, which is a fantastic thing, but equally, it's a really horrible thing because you can get lost and bombarded mm. and actually stop listening to yourself, which you are the most important person to listen to. Yeah. Um, like I, for me, my parenting has always been like a real pick and mix approach. I will research, I will look, I will look at different studies. What people are saying, obviously not the moment when I was at 3am getting dressed, but um, <laughs> not that point. But, you know, like when I'm more rational and then I come to my own conclusion, like what does that look like for me? Like I was never a Gina Ford kind of parent um I remember my um, where where I worked my colleague was and it just really worked for his family it, and and they, it worked really well with their children and for their lifestyles so it was a, a success for them but for me never you know and so it means that there's no one right way it's what works for you but you definitely have to listen to your inner voice yeah it's like, it's like your gut instinct isn't it something you can read all the books in the world but if n- none of the advice feels right to you yeah. then there's no point otherwise you end up getting up at 3 a.m and starting exactly. your day at 3 a.m <laughs> many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Um, so you're about to with your girls I guess you're probably about to hit in hit that kind of teenage and not quite yet but you're in that kind of tween age yeah Yeah. Um, you've been through it before you've parented a teenage Mm. child but do you think it'll be different with girls than it was you know leading a boy through that that stage I don't know if um, the like gender plays a role I think I think like it's more the child like you know and and how they are like so my son like look at his friends and they weren't necessarily as emotional as he was like they didn't have the same um needs that he did 
And so I am aware of that. And I feel that, you know, with his sisters, it will probably be quite the same because they're, they're quite similar in that way. They, they, they think quite deeply and we've always brought them up to kind of make their own decisions about their lives. And we, we've given them ideas and we have open conversations about it, but ultimately they make decisions. So they are responsible. So I suppose with that kind of parenting, then you let open, you let, you open yourself wide mm. when it comes to kind of the teenage years. So I don't, yeah, I don't know how much gender specifically for my family will play a role because we don't say oh girls are like this and yes. boys are like that we've yeah. we've never done that it's funny though isn't it because in 2019 um you know the idea of like we, we talk about toxic masculinity mm. and feminism and i think that a lot of us really think about that when we are parenting and when we are talking mm. to our kids yeah <clears throat> um but I guess 19 years ago, people weren't talking about toxic masculinity. Yeah. Do you think that it's, do you think that you just brought up your son in a way that felt right for you? And yeah, I, and I, um, yeah, they, they weren't talking about it at all. But the, I think the thing for me was like, I remember they were, because smacking was quite popular. Oh, goodness. <laughs> And, um, and, yeah it's all right you oh. know and I, I was never down with that didn't and, do me any harm oh gosh <laughs> and a lot of that went on and that was like a reaction and for me I could never teach my son to not be violent by, well, exactly. by doing that so I couldn't get my head around it it's fine it. for me to smack you but but you don't smack anybody else it doesn't know? make any sense and so I like getting your and I, 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 I remember thinking that one day you will be bigger than me and how am I going to smack you? You're just going to laugh. So we need to get on a level where we can always have this relationship and we can always talk. Mm-hmm. And, and so it doesn't matter what it is, we need to talk it through and we, and we need to have a mutual respect for each other. That's so good. That's really good. Um, and with your girls, what messages are you sort of sending them in terms of, you know, um, how they take on the world and how they, you know, live their, live their lives and find their place in the world? For them, I think, um, well, they're all kind of very different. And and it's the elder one now that we're going through. You know, they reach that age at the end of primary school where it becomes like you just can't be anymore and you, you have to be a part of a group, mm. you know, and there's all these kind of pressures that start to arise. And I mean, she doesn't have a smartphone. So, you know, every every child in her class has a smartphone and, you know, there's there's all these like different pressures and... That's really hard though, isn't fit it? In That's... And, I, I, I'm not looking forward to getting to that stage. So already my eight-year-old is sort of mm. saying, when can I get a phone? And I'm like, why are we even having this conversation? Yeah. You are nowhere near getting yeah. a phone. But I, I know that, you know, when she gets to kind of year five or year six, it will be a case of, but everyone in my class has got yeah. a phone. And what do you say? Well, I, the thing was, we our, with our son, he didn't get one until he was, like he had one that didn't have an interface. And but when he was sixteen, he asked for one with an interface. But by then, he you know he read well, all of those things. So it would for me, it wouldn't be that he'd just be on his phone. He he knew how to have fun and entertain himself in different ways. So we didn't mind that. And I remember I had all the logins for all of his any accounts that he had, his email and all of those things. And it wasn't that I was snooping through them, but you know it was just that kind of. I just wanted to keep him kind of safe in a way, and, mm. and for him, and he was quite comfortable to know that if he got any into any kind of situation then I was there as well he's just still young yeah. and we're still finding our way 
in this world. We still don't know what this means because it's such a limited amount of time. To just send your child out there into the wilderness, yeah. I'm not quite sure about. Well, I read something about um, um, somebody compared it to the equivalent of just dropping your child off in the middle of a park, you know, in the dead of night yeah. and then just like, leading them to it yes. and seeing how they get on. Yes. It's kind of the yeah, same. Yeah, the other side. Yeah. Like, they'll probably be okay, but is it a sensible thing to do? No. No. <laughs> but like, so with my daughter, she knew that we had this rule that you could not hold the phone until you had a contract. Um, okay. And so, until you, yeah, until you could legally have a phone, you couldn't have one. I like that. I'm, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> but then we got to the point, she, she then felt that you know, she knew her son, her son, my son, he, her brother, used to travel to school. Like, and this is why he did have a phone. So yeah. he had two trains to take. And she thought she's not going to be allowed to go to school because he had a phone for that specific reason. Right. And so she was really upset because she thought she wouldn't be allowed to walk to school by herself, you know. And so we decided to get her one of these old school Nokia banana phones. So she's mm-hmm. got one of those. Yeah. Um, she doesn't really use it. It's never really charged. You know, it's one of those, but she, but she does have one. Yeah. Um, and so you were asking me, sorry about, I've gone totally off. Kill, no, no. But you were asking me about social media and... Um, I just think like they talk to me about things like Instagram, you know, because they're aware of it. They know all of these things, and there's one TikTok, you know, all of these things. I've heard know of that. Them. What is the TikTok? It's where you do the music. So I suppose it's a replacement for Musically. Oh, okay. Um, you know, and and so they they are very aware of it, and their friends are doing it. But they ask me around things like likes and what does that actually mean. Mm-hmm. And so they're the conversations. I I never want to have like, oh, you can't do this, and you can't know what it is. I want them to know exactly what it is and what it means and what it means to your life Mm. and to have an education around it. So for them, when they're confronted with it, it doesn't knock them sideways. They actually know kind of how to cope with it. And it's about building up all of those other things like on in the background so it doesn't matter what anybody says because they can't define you only you can do that and having consent you know things like that I'm just thinking about all the things that we talk about you know so it's it's up to you what you take on board about what other people say and about what you do so yeah love that Um, and you're about to head to Ghana for a month did you say yes pretty much yeah just shy of a month are you all going yes we're all going um but the children are staying for two and a half weeks nearly three because they've got to come back for school their school holidays yeah how much was it your grandmother who who was from ghana originally oh and my dad and your dad as well how much do you think that your heritage influences how you parent oh that's a really interesting question um i think i think it does like it does influence me in a way that um, obviously because of my upbringing and then my dad's experience. He came here when he was like 10 or 11. So he had that those kind of formative years where he was in Ghana and just... So the society is completely different in terms of like it's it's more matrilineal mm. and um, an outlook and all of those things which he would then represent placate here and because that's the way he knew and his experience he was brought up by his mum here sorry I'm getting all twisted now because I've never been asked that question before (laughs) and yeah and I suppose that that's what kind of comes down I mean visibly for me because I've always been considered other um 
I've always in a way looked to others so either being part Ghanaian or part Irish mm-hmm. I've always explored both of those aspects of my identity and celebrated them and then shared them with my children so the Irish is that, is that your mum's side, side? Yeah. right okay that's quite a mix isn't it yeah um so okay just completely changing the subject to um about times this is something that i really want to ask you about so you co-founded um about times yes um with uh sarah 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 yes tell us a bit about it first of all i think there was a bit of a sadness that i i noticed like because obviously i came to instagram i think quite late um comparatively to everybody else And one thing that I did see was there was always just, for me, what felt like one one single story that was coming back at me. And I don't know whether that was intentional, whether that was algorithms, but I just didn't see like um, a wide variety on there. And so uh, when it came to motherhood, it would always be like, um, I don't know, a middle class white mom who has one possibly two children and they haven't got to a certain age yet and then that would be they'd be talking about parenting and and giving you tips and it's not that I don't feel there's space for that and and I, I think we all learn and obviously there's stuff for me to learn in there as well but it's not the full compliment that it's not the full story yeah and so um that was how Make Motherhood Diverse come about. I felt like there was a real need for Make Motherhood Diverse because um, I just wanted to hear all stories of motherhood. Mm. Um, so that was done jointly with um, Nicola and Candice. And we ha- after when we were coming up to a year, we ran an event, a live event. And I was just really interested. It was a sellout and we had amazing people on the panel. And there were um, there was not a dry eye in the house when um, some of the stories were shared and people were laughing out loud. And it r- was really authentic. It came from people's hearts, you know, these stories. And so there's all this, I hear on, I, I can see this with my eyes, but on Instagram, it was always about like authenticity and, mm. and we need to be real. Yeah. But then I'm hearing these real stories and they are nowhere near, there's no place for them on Instagram. Why do you think that was? I mean, I've I've had conversations about this in the past, Mm. but I'm interested to hear what you think. Why do you think that what Instagram serves up is such a narrow view of motherhood, a narrow version of it? I think it's just, I think it's an extension of our society. I don't think that society does this very well. I think it's the same the same thing like if you look at magazines or if you look at the news or if you look at tv shows it's all kind of sculptured in a certain a particular way i don't think that instagram is something like completely different it's just an extension of that Mm. but what made it stand out so much for me is because i was i was going there and i was choosing to spend time and i suppose it was my echo chamber yeah and so and for some reason i couldn't um copy like curate curate that that. so um yeah i i really struggled with that so then make mother diverse came and i was just like oh wow these squares are amazing these stories really getting in there and feel that and obviously we had this um the event and then i was really shocked that nobody picked it up so no media there was no media presence and and nobody came in and like said oh these stories are amazing we need to continue we need to support this you know or get behind this it didn't i didn't really feel that kind of um, that wasn't one of the things that came out of it. And then somebody said to me at the end, 
yeah, it's all right for us to think this, but do you think it's really valid because there's nobody else here? There's nobody else who can lift this up. It's so like a, what? You, it's like you're preaching to the converted almost. Yeah, isn't it? exactly. And I said to her, "Well, I don't think we need that kind of validation." Actually, for me, it was enough the people that were here and experienced this this evening, because actually. Um, that kind of in-depth, you know, when you speak from your heart, there's nowhere else for anybody to hide, you know, like you're... So that for me was real. But I, so I did a post after that and said, you know, do we need validation? What do we need to validate us? And along comes Sarah and she says, well, you know, it was a missed opportunity from the independent or from here, you know, they should have picked up on this. And then she came back and she said, no, we don't need their validation. What we need is more women's voices. And we just need to forget all of the noise and say right we're here yeah we've got these voices we know we can tap into them we can bring them to the forefront and everybody can read them and we don't need somebody to tell us you know we don't need an editor to say that that's not important you don't need a platform you can you can be your own platform exactly and you can just bring these stories to the forefront and then you can just push them forward and they so and what i love because with motherhood not all women are mothers mm. so actually about times it's about women and all of the aspects for us so it's a wider like it still has the column for and we've changed it to make mother, make motherhood inclusive now because that's really what it always should have been mm. rather than diverse so yeah we've changed that to make motherhood inclusive and that will always be there but also it's about all of the um the other the other parts of our identity as well being explored and there's been some amazing stories there and things that i the conversations that I've had that I want to see out there, like, and one that I'm thinking of is like, I think it was the first or the second issue where we talked about um, the hijab being a, a, a symbol of female empowerment alongside sex toys. Mm. And nobody is discussing that. Like, no. people are thinking, right, how, how, how? And then that draws people in. And they can read two well-written articles as to why. And have you had anything, you know, have you had anybody pick up on stuff like that, you know, other mainstream publications get in touch with you and say we want to run something on this or actually is that not the point is is the point that that's not the goal it's i don't know if it's the goal it's not it's not happened yet i i wonder i don't know if you remember um the vagenda yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay so yeah my not fear not anymore no it ah. got swallowed up and I want to say by the new statesman, I hope I've not got that wrong. The two women that did it, um, they have moved into kind of mainstream. Yeah, I've seen them. I've seen like them one popping of the up doing columns. Yeah, and, doing yeah. columns and different things. Yeah. But the agenda is no more. And the idea was that it was going to be a part of, I think it's the new statesman. But yeah, then it just kind of disappeared and it might be a column in there. But yeah, yeah it yeah. wasn't that standout thing that it was. I think that there's always been like none of the ideas are really kind of new and when I say that I mean you know there was always um these ideas around communities and dissidents and feminism but they were all not as in your face they were not in your front line where you could make a decision mm. you know about gender fluidity it mm. just wasn't a thing it wasn't that it wasn't discussed in this corner but it might not have been discussed in your corner and yeah. then there was no connect no bridge between you and that conversation it wasn't as mainstream as it is now yeah which is right it's moving in the right direction Absolutely. it should be out there yeah 100 how much um sort of how on on that subject how much um should we allow people time to learn about this stuff? And because uh, obviously we're, we're all learning all yeah. the time. Yeah. I think that there's been a bit of a culture recently for like calling people out and saying, you're not learning about this fast yeah. enough, you know. 
um, you need to you need to you know be better and I suppose that it's really hard question because I don't think there's a fixed time I think the people who are learning have to understand that the people who've had enough they had enough 10 years ago so they've not got the stomach for it yeah and then and just being sensitive to that and then the people who have not got the stomach for it they have to recognize that people are waking up yeah and and they really have had everything kind of geared and prepared and sorted for them and they've not seen that there's been an issue until now and so it's I don't think it's um it's something that people have necessarily actively said oh I'm just going to ignore this because my life is great they might have just had like complete barriers up and just not seen it so what's that privilege thing though isn't it when you are living in privilege yeah it's very easy to have those barriers up even if you haven't actively you know made that decision yeah to put them up well we all have it I mean even just by proxy of living here we all have privilege you know so that we we all have we it's just about being aware of those privileges and not being so sensitive that when somebody points them out we're open to breaking them down and what can we do mm-hmm. you know it's not a case of oh i you know i'm you know oh, i've not done this and i feel and i regret what i haven't done yeah it's about looking that way and what can we do to change this mm-hmm. yeah so yeah that's really good Sorry, I could talk to you about this oh, for no, hours, but <laughs> really interesting. Um, so what's next for you? Because in the past, you've, you've written a children's book and you're yes. writing a novel at the moment, I yes, think. Yes, I am. And it's going through multiple edits. So never, it's one of those things that I always feel like, oh, I need to hurry it because I've said that I'm doing it. But right. actually crafting these things takes time, especially if it's if it's going to be what I want it to be. And yeah. for me, like... I've I've had to go back recently because I've tried to steer it a certain way to make it um, commercial, but but actually that was not what it was originally about. So I, I've I've clawed it back, and I'm and I'm just re-editing. Okay. Now. So yeah, it is coming. I am working. On it. I'm not being too anal about it, but it is coming. Everyone's like, "Come on, hurry Come up! Come on, get with the program, <laughs> Sarah." And then you start this new thing. What are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot. Like for me, I I just feel that um, it's it's quite hard for young people now, you know, in terms of recognise, they feel like they're the revolutionaries, you know, that it's just started now from day dot. But there are so many other stories and so many things that have happened. And actually, history is really important for this and understanding the story and connecting the dots to make your what you're doing have substance and, and flow. Yeah. Well, on that note, thank you so much for being my guest. It has been brilliant. Thank you. Oh, lovely. Thank you very much for having me. Isn't Sarah brilliant? She's the kind of person I could sit and have a cuppa and a natter with for ages. Thank you so much for listening today. Please review, rate and subscribe to the podcast and I'll catch up with you next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 